<laughs> How's everybody doing? Let's turn on the lights so I can see their faces. All our, well, not all of our, but a lot of our college students are back in town. That's nice to have the kiddos home. A lot of them graduated from college. Matt and Abby and Hope and a whole plethora of others graduated from college yesterday or Saturday. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, so it's getting crazy around here. Married one of my youth in this church and... There's another couple on the way. Um, it's just getting crazy. I am getting old. Um, you know you're getting old when you're sitting down in a lazy boy and your legs fall asleep. <laughs> just from sitting, your legs fall asleep. You know, and it, and it just dawned on me that I've got like muscular atrophy starting to happen and all this stuff and. Uh, so I've been talking about working out for eight years since I got here, and I've been working out, building building something to work with, and now I've got to go sculpt it, right? Um, or maybe I'll just build another 10 years, and then I'll sculpt it. Or maybe I'll just build another 30 years and wait till I get to heaven and let God sculpt it. After all, this body's going to waste anyways, right? So um, I think it was Bill Cosby that said, I want, you know, I want my blood going through my veins saying, pardon me, excuse me, coming through, you know. Um, they don't get that, but you will one day. Uh, I walked in the doctor's office the other day for the first time in like three years because uh, I hate hospitals and I hate doctor's offices. And uh, Anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, but they took my blood pressure, and she was like, oh, mm, okay. You know, they, <laughs> and it presses your arm, and then it's, also know that I'm getting old because now when they do that, I can, like, like my head starts going, pum, 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 when they let it go. She's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, she's like, well, it's kind of high, you know, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? She's like, well, don't worry about it. It happens in men as they get older, and I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now it's bona fide, you know, an official doctor's visit told me that I'm getting older, so. She's like, yeah, in about five years, we're going to have to start checking your blood pressure, probably put you on blood pressure medicine. And I'm like, no, shut up. <laughs> I've, I've avoided you for this long. I'm going to try to keep doing it. Um, no, the reality of it is, is that with the doctors, it's, it, it happens with age. You go more and more often. And then this crazy job that I have with all these mission trips, I'm going to have to start going more and more often, you know, um, as, as the world takes its toll on me. Maybe that's why, why when you go visit like my grandparents, you know, my granddad before he died, he was just like, I'm ready to go back to heaven. You know, Jesus is coming tomorrow. You know, and it was wishful thinking because, I mean, it was genuinely wishful thinking. He was just like, I'm, I'm done with this thing, you know. Body doesn't do what it's told to do anymore. So, y'all like, what is that? Yeah, you guys can't relate because right now you're living in the here and now. 
and, and your future, like your long-time future goals are like the next three or four years, right? Or am I wrong? I'm wrong? You don't think that far? <laughs> yeah, you're just trying to make it through the weekend. Some of y'all are just trying to make it through this next couple weeks to, to get through this class and not flunk, huh? Okay. No, I've done it. Right, I've I've been married. I've had sex. I've had cars. I've had dogs. I have a house. I've had children, and uh, all those those things on my bucket list. You know, the bucket list is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I've traveled around the world more than I ever really wanted to. I've seen things, uh, amazing things, and uh, and and I've seen miraculous things that I never expected to see. You know, so my bucket list is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and part of that, you know, you get older, you realize that the things that you dreamt of doing are just, you know, somewhere in life it has to happen where the things that you dreamed, dreamt of doing turns into reminiscing on the things that you did, right? In fact, in psychology, they've done studies on this. And, and uh, Erickson is the guy's name. He did studies on the stages of life. And... Uh, in the last, one of the last stages of life, um, he, he calls it, uh, now I'm going to forget what he calls it, uh, but essentially it's one of two things. When you get into the last stages of life, you are either, <laughs> he doesn't use these words, but it, it's more of a scientific term for these words, but it's you're either happy or you're grumpy. And, and in that last stage of life, all across the board, people were either happy, meaning that they are looking back because they're not looking forward as much anymore. They're looking back. They're looking back on their life, and they are truly filled with contentment and pleasure because they've lived a good life. They're leaving a good legacy. And so, and, and if you think about it, those really, really old people that you know, great-grandparents or grandparents you know, um, and you look at them, grandparents, they are. They're either happy or they're just grumpy. And everything in life is like, oh, how are you? That's so great. That's so wonderful. Blah, 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 blah. You know, they can just chat, 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 chat. Or they're just like, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know. And my grandmother was happy and my granddad was grumpy, you know, uh, for the longest time. And, you know, my mom would be like, oh, that's so good that you got an earring. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But that's good for you. And Papa's like, you mean the pliers, Liz. I'm going to yank that thing out, you know, when I was in college. And, when we started bands, my grandmother would go listen to the bands, and we'd get done. She's just like, you did such a good job. I, I don't like that kind of music, and it's just noise to me, but, but you did a good job. You know, you made good noise or whatever. <laughs> my granddad wouldn't show up. You know, he wouldn't leave his recliner because he was going to watch his TV, and, you know, and it was just like, um, get out of my chair. Type of thing. You know, and that's the way they are, and, it, and that's the way life is. We dream. You guys are in a stage of life where you're dreaming about all your hopes and aspirations. And that could be as far away as tomorrow or it could be farther away, you know, as, as in I want to get married someday and those kind of things. But, but there comes a da- time in everyone's life when they're going to look back and they're going to either be content and full of joy because they've lived a life worth living. They know that they can leave this world and they've left a good mark. Or they can look back on life full of regrets. And that's all of us. One thing that is notorious about this country is that we don't like to talk about death. But death becomes us all. We don't escape it, you know. And, and we sang a song just now 
uh, last song we sang called Beautiful Exchange. Let me read these words to you. It says, you were near, though I was distant, disillusioned. I was lost and insecure. Still mercy fought for my attention. You were waiting at the door, and then I let you in. Trading your life for my offenses, for my redemption, you carried all the blame, breaking the curse of our condition. Perfection took our place. And only love could make a way. You gave your life in a beautiful exchange. My burden erased, my life forgiven. There is nothing that could take this love away. And my only desire and my sole ambition is to love you just the same. When only love could break these chains, you gave your life in a beautiful exchange. Holy are you, God. Holy is your name. With everything I've got, my heart will sing how I love you. Now think about that. You know, sometimes we look at Jesus' life, and the reality of it is, is he struggled with the cross. The, the God in him, the Christ in him, didn't struggle with the cross. He went to the cross. He came to this earth for no other reason. But the flesh, the man in Jesus, struggled with the cross. Thus, we see that whole scene at the garden, right, where he's sweating blood, and he's like, God, if there's any other way. So we know Jesus, the flesh in him, struggled with, with death. But, but the God in him had insight that he's given to us through his word, but that he fully understood. And that was that, that his life here compared to eternity was, was just a, a blink. And it, and it was his spirit, like Paul later on says, he says, God... Um, that your spirit might overcome my flesh. He asks, Lord, make my spirit, your spirit in me, overcome my flesh. And it's the same thing Jesus did in the garden. His flesh was crying out, God, if there's any other way, but then his spirit said, hey, this is merely just a blink. And so spirit, I'm going to let my spirit overcome my flesh. That's a fancy way of saying, I'm going to let what I know to be true dictate how I act instead of what I feel to be true. You follow me? In other words, everything in humanity cries out to me. My psychological response of fight or flight is, is saying, don't go to the cross. Everything in me is saying, I don't want to do this, my body. But my spirit says, this is what God has called me to do, and this is merely just a blink compared to eternity. And so I choose to go against what my body make, feels, what my mind, my will, and emotions are, and I choose to go with what my spirit dictates. And, and that's what this song is all about because God is, and what we're singing is essentially, God, we want to love you just the same. In other words, like the word says, Jesus is standing at the door and he knocks. And anyone who hears him and opens the door, he will come in and he will dine with them and us with him. And that is, is uh, in the book of Revelation and, and it's written to the church. A lot of people use that, that verse to talk about people getting saved, use it as salvation. And it's not exactly what it's talking about. He's talking to the church. He's talking to saved people. Christ, here is Christ standing at our doors. Even though we've been saved, here's Christ daily in every thought and every decision we must make. Here's Christ standing at the door and he's knocking. 
and he's waiting for us to just open the door. In other words, he's waiting for us to say, listen, this is what my life experience dictates that I should do, but this is what I know your word says that I should do, and I choose to make my spirit overcome my flesh. I choose to submit my flesh to your spirit, and I choose to walk through your spirit. Uh, we were at this comedy show with with uh, Scott and Susan. Scott was doing a comedy show opening uh, last night, and there were three or four comics there. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Uh, the last comic there, his name was Michael Jr. Funny guy. Funny, funny guy. Uh, but towards the end of his thing, he said, you know, he said, there, God has a lot of names, and, and just name a few. And so people started naming names of God, you know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lamb of God, you know, Cornerstone, you know. And he was just like, oh, yeah, y'all are going deep with her. And he said, let me teach you one of the names of God that's really, really pertinent to me. He said, one of the names of God is something, something. And he said, it works like this, you know, we go through life, and, and inevitably we all make bad decisions. And, and, and as soon as we made that bad decision and we start reading the, reaping the repercussions, you know, uh, we, we have a tendency to say, man, something told me I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> something is another name for God. And, it, you know, and it was funny and everybody got up. He did it a lot more funny than I am because he's a comedian. And everybody's laughing. But I thought, man, that is incredibly insightful. Incredibly insightful. How many people, if I had a dime for every person that said, how do I understand or how do I hear the voice of God, I'd be a rich man, right? And, and maybe God's name is something, you know. The Holy Spirit is in us, and he, you know, the Bible says that he leads us which way to go. He doesn't let us undergo temptation, that for which he has not given us a way out. And, and every temptation we undergo, every decision we have to make, God's still small voice is sitting there telling us which way to go. It's not a matter of whether God is telling us or not. It's a matter of whether we are listening. And, and many times what that, that decision or the direction God chooses to send us is a direction that goes completely contrary to everything inside of us, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And, and to submit our flesh to his spirit and just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and do what you're asking me to do. And in this sense, as the song is singing, as, as we recognize he's holy and he stands at every decision and he's knocking, he's just saying, Jeff, if you make this decision, I will dine with you. And in other words, Jeff, if you make this decision, we will walk in harmony. We will walk in fellowship. You will experience me and I will have a relationship with you. Or if you walk in this decision, then I'm just going to be standing here knocking. How many times as Christians do we make decisions, do we walk through circumstances in life, and, and we've got the spirit of the living God inside of us saying, hey, I'm here. I want to fellowship with you. I want to dine with you. I want to, I want to be, have intimacy with you. I want this thing to be good. But you're not listening to me. You're not opening the door. You're making your own choices right now. So I'm here, and all it takes is for you to just listen to me. He wants us to love him just the same, in the same way that he gave his life. He laid it all down, not for guilt of his own, for all of humanity. He bore our sins on the cross. He made a choice to say, God, any other way, but for your sake, I'll do this. And he wants the same from us. God, if there's any other way, Lord, if, if there was any other way, you know, if I could just... If I could just win the lottery, I won't buy a ticket because I know that's sinful, but if you could just have somebody give me a ticket and make it a winning ticket, then I'd be rich, and then I'd tithe 
right? If there's any other way. And, and God's over here going, no, Jeff, uh, you got yourself into this financial mess. And, and you're going to work. You're going to struggle to get out of it. Or whatever it is, you know, you, you crashed your, you, you know, you dinged your parents' car, 16-year-olds. You're driving. You backed into that pole. Oh, God, if there's any other way, make it magically pop out, you know. You start thinking of stories you can tell your parents. Well, there was this, this rabbit that ran uh, under the hood, and, and it jumped up in the engine, and it bit the, it, it bit the hydraulic system, uh, and then I had power steering leaking out, and I couldn't turn quick enough, and the, and, and, and the pole grew because the rabbit came out of the hole, you know, and you're just digging yourself deeper. And, and God's sitting there going, no, there's no other way. Just tell the truth. And work off the money and pay your parents that you backed your car into the pole. You know, it's a learning experience. Because one day, Jeff, I'm going to give you a family and I'm going to give you bigger and better cars. And you're going to need to know how to take care of them. So I'm going to let you ding the starter car, you know. That's the way it works. And many of you in this room are struggling with a variety of different things. The way you look, the person that you're dating, the person that you wish you were dating, uh, the person you wish you weren't dating, uh, whatever, your parents, job, where to go to school, direction this youth group is heading or not heading, whatever it is, everyone in here has got all kinds of things in their life. And God, what we just sang is, God, we want to love you just the same. We want to lay down our life, not to carry his burdens in the sense of his sins because he is sinless, but yes, to carry his sufferings while we're here on earth, to carry the name of Christ, to do as Christ would do, to allow him to change us from the inside out, to walk in who he is. You know, we're going to Cambodia in November, and um, I've got to be honest with you. The older I'm getting, the older my boys are getting, the, more, the harder it is on me to travel. I, I'm getting to where every time I travel... Like overseas, I get sick. Just the travel alone just makes me, me sick. You know, I've inherited Richard's stomach problems, or maybe I've just inherited the stronghold that resides here over Richard, and I got, I've got stomach issues anyways. But when I travel, I get sick. I mean, it just, I get physically sick. And, uh, and so it's getting harder for me. And, and we're going, we're going, of course, we're going all over the world this year, and, and the people going to Germany wanted me to go to Germany and Kiva. And Sharon wants me to go to, to India, and Chiv wants me to go to Cambodia, you know, and I'm, and, and I'm coming up with excuses, you know, like, well, I can't, you know, I can't do this, can't do that, and I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And, and, and God's just saying, all right, Jeff, I need you to go on this one. I need you to go to Cambodia because <clears throat> we're at a crucial moment because people are getting saved by the hundreds and now people in this church are getting excited and they're donating. You know, I want to build a church, so they're donating $5,000. So we've got enough money to build three more churches. But that's not building churches, that's building buildings. We had another team that the same time the team was in Cambodia and just led 90 people to the Lord in the prison over there. Uh, we had another team that was in another nation called England. It has beautiful cathedrals that are being sold by the dozens to become restaurants and stores because there's not enough people to fill them. And so God's sitting here, and, and, and this is just the way my mind works. 
God is always, I'm always thinking because part of my job and also just my, my gifting is um, prophetically, I'm always thinking forward, visionary, and I'm thinking, okay, are, are, are our people getting so, are, I'm, I'm excited, we're getting excited as a church uh, about the work in Cambodia and people getting saved, but, but I need to be thinking about what is the best way to partner with Mission Commission and then present to the church strategy to make sure that we are doing what God is calling us to do in Cambodia. And I'm not positive that building buildings is where it's at. We need to be building the church, which is the people, you know. And so I need to go over there because of that, and God's really laying that on my heart. Uh, and then second, next year, we have the Global Board of Ministries, which is the Global United Methodist Church Denomination. For the past 10 years, I've told you all, has been doing efforts in Cambodia with no results. Uh, well, they're ho hosting a convention in this building because they heard about the work we're doing. And so in order to really be able to communicate with them, they're coming here, and the reason they're coming here is they want to know what we're doing that works. And I need to be able, and Chiv and I need to be able to communicate to them, this is, this is what we are doing that works. So we need to know. So I need to go over there. So, I, you know, the whole prospect of going over there again is just daunting to me because I get sick going to Columbia, you know, much, and you go over the international date line, you go a place where there's no air conditioning except for at night in the hotel, but this time we're spending two nights out in the jungles in Okoman. You know, we're going to be on the, the bamboo floor with the thatch roof, no walls in the jungle. And Shiv was showing us video this week because uh, Nathan and Marion and, and he and Emra spent one night in Cambodia out, out in the jungles in the church in Okoman, and they videoed in the middle of the night because they couldn't sleep. And it's, you know, I mean, it's like jungle noise. And I mean, it's loud. You know, it's like, you know, and it's like, uh, and, and we're going to be spending two nights out there because we're going so far into villages that have asked us to come share the gospel they never heard that we can't make it all the way back to the city. So we're spending two nights in Bapamon. And I, and I heard that Wednesday night at the meeting, or actually they told me Wednesday morning before the meeting, uh, that, hey, this is what we're doing. This is scheduled so that we could run the meeting. I'm like, oh, man, really, God? I mean, really? Because if you get sick out there, th we're talking outhouse. You know, it's getting up in the middle of the night, running out to a ditch in the ground. And, and in Cambodia, there's cobras and stuff. And don't tell anybody I said that, Scott, because we haven't, you know, but... But we're going to be in the jungles. Not only that, there's tigers in Cambodia. I don't know if people realize that. but um, So I, I can see it now, you know. In the middle of the night in the jungle, we're getting sick. Somebody gets sick. They're turning on their little flashlight, running out there to the outhouse. You know, that's not how I want to spend time away from my boys, you know. Time away from my boys is like cruise, you know. Beach, senior trip, beach in Mexico, you know, hanging loose, nice, comfy, you know. Uh, in the jungles in Cambodia, in 99 degree weather, 100% humidity, with every night, all night long. It's just, I, honestly, it just stinks. There's nothing appealing about that to me. In the flesh. But when I submit my flesh to the Spirit, when I say, Lord, I want to love you just the same, then suddenly God reveals a bigger picture, and it's that here are people that have never heard the name of Jesus and will never hear it 
unless someone goes. Here's a bigger picture of, of a, a Cambodian group of people in our, in our congregation who three years ago hated their, their heritage and were afraid of their heritage. And now three years later, all of them are in love with their heritage and with their people again. And when they go and share the gospel, hundreds are being saved. And the only way they can go is with the collective body of a church like this that is sending them. And, and we're going in a country that is 98% unreached, and we are seeing hundreds get saved. It's amazing. And, and see, suddenly then, what is disgusting to my flesh, literally disgusting, suffering to my flesh, suddenly my spirit becomes an awesome adventure. You know, because then I look and I think, wow, we are, we are for Cambodia what the John Wesleys and the Francis Sansburys and George Whitfields, those guys from England that came over hundreds of years ago, jumped on the backs of horses, rode, rode through hundreds of miles of just unchartered territories, going to these farmers out in the hills and preaching the gospel to them. Thanks to them, our denomination exists today. And we have the opportunity. God is allowing us to be that for the nation of Cambodia. Well, suddenly, running to an outhouse is no longer just uncomfortable. It's actually an adventure, right? It's like, oh, yeah, let's go have diarrhea in the jungle woods for the Lord, you know. Let's do this thing, you know. If 30 people, if one person gets saved, then, yeah. So, in come November... In the middle of the night, we're going to hear, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> you know, and that will be me screaming. So wake up. You were near, though I was distant. What areas of our life are we distant from the Lord? It doesn't always mean sin. It could just mean areas where he's wanting to do something in us and we're wanting to do something different. You were near, though I was disillusioned. I was lost and insecure. Are you secure in who you are tonight? Are you secure with the stage of life you're in? Are you secure with your friends? Or do you need your friends in order to be secure? Do you need security in your job? in your parents, in your circumstance to be secure. Still mercy fought for my attention. You were waiting at the door, then I let you in. When only love could break these chains, you gave your life in beautiful exchange. Yeah, like Kiva said this morning, God's asking us to give our life. One last thing, and with this I close. Shiv, I don't know if y'all know this. He, I mean, you know he's our associate pastor, one of our pastors here at the church. But he, uh, Xerox did a mass layoff of employees. They've done it for the past three years, and he's escaped it. But this year, he got cut. He got laid off. So Chiv right now doesn't have a job. And Chiv is, uh, he's taking this time to, to really focus on getting his seminary work done because he's, he's trying to get seminary work done so that he can become a local, uh, be ordained as a local pastor by the church. And... Um, so we were in staff the other day, and, and um, 
he was showing us this the video and stuff, and we're talking about Cambodia in November, and I just pressed him on an issue that that uh, you know Richard and I have been feeling a long time, uh, and I just said, Chiv, what would it take for you to not go back to corporate America, but for you to just spend six nine months out of the year in Cambodia discipling the hundreds of people that have gotten saved? What would it take for you to go over there and raise up pastors, take some of these people that have gotten saved? And teach them first, you know, first seminary of Oklahoma, and teach these guys to be pastors and send them out. Because we can reach hundreds every year. They could reach thousands every year. And, and he's so humble. He's like, well, you know, uh, yeah. And I'm like, no, Chip, how much did you make in your old job? You know, and, and he told me, and, and we, you know, and I just, we talked about a little bit of staff when we left it there. And then he came in my office later, and he said, and he was just crying. And he said, Jeff, he said, he said, I don't want to go back to corporate America. I want to do ministry. He said, I would gladly live in poverty. I'd gladly go over there and get some rare disease and die for my people. He said, how could I not? Every time I open my mouth, people are getting saved by the hundreds. How could I not? want to do that with my life. It's such a beautiful thing because here's a guy that three, four years ago hadn't, hadn't been back in 30 years and never wanted to go back. When I asked him, he refused to go the first time. Here's a guy that lived through atrocities you and I only read about or hear about in movies. Here's a guy that has burns, burnt scars and stuff on his body and, and under, endured torture like you and I only read about. In that country. And here's a guy that when we went back the first time was so scared he wouldn't take his wife. She was so scared she wouldn't go back because she didn't think Chiv was going to come back. And now today he's saying, Jeff, I would gladly give my life. Here's a guy that was living a Christian life who was doing everything right, but he was insecure. He was lost. And he, and he was distant from the Lord. And, and because he came to a place where he said, Lord, I will love you just the same. I will, I will open myself up and I'll submit my flesh to your spirit and I'll just be obedient. And he went the first time. Now his life is completely changed. And I am praying and Richard is praying that God would find a way, God would make a way to provide for him to do just that. To go over there for three or four months at a time and teach courses and, and raise disciples and raise pastors out of those people who have gotten saved. Because we go three weeks out of the year and see hundreds saved. Them living there, they could save 300 people times 52 weeks. You know, just imagine. Truly in three years, we could see a nation go from 98% unreached to 98% saved. That easy. What areas in your life does God want to change your direction so that you could see monumental changes in your life like we're seeing in the country? Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and enlighten us and remove blinders from our eyes and, and open us up, that we would truly not just sing these words, but that we could mean them from our heart, that we could open the door to you to allow you to come 
and reign in our life, that we could walk in fellowship with you, not because of the things we're doing for you, but because we're walking in, in obedience to who you are and who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray this summer would be a, a, a time of revival and a time of change, a time of purification for this youth group and this church. And, and we submit ourselves to you, Lord, that we would continue to see you move for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of announcements. Uh, there are forms back in the back on the sound booth up there. If you are going camping or paintballing, you need to fill that out and bring it back on Wednesday. Okay? Uh, so even if you sign the list up there, I, signing the list up there just kind of gave me a ballpark idea of who was going. But we need you to fill out that form if you are going. So everybody grab one of those as you head out. Wednesday night we'll have normal activities upstairs. So we'll see you. Thanks.